Welcome to Midweek in the Word, where each week we seek to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. This podcast is brought to you by Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, here is your host, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries Pastor, Pastor Brad Myers. Welcome listeners back to Midweek in the Word. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We're thrilled to have you along for the ride, and we're excited for this week's episode as we continue our What Does the Bible Say About series here, taking off bite-sized pieces of theology. Last week, we talked about the doctrine of sin, likely a familiar doctrine to you, and this week, we have another topic that's very related to that, another critical doctrine. And so I've got Tom Rimple, our preaching pastor, back on the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, Tom. Thanks, Brad. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to this discussion and, and for going into this yeah. topic, which we'll begin to dive into, but we won't have enough time to cover comprehensively. But be, before we get to that, before we move into that subject, uh, let me just remind our listeners where we were this last Sunday. Uh, if you weren't able to join us for services, listeners, this last Sunday, um, I took the pulpit again and was able to talk about the fifth church in our church or Dear Church sermon series. We're looking at seven letters to Christ's bride from Revelation 1, 2, and 3. And the fifth church is the church at Sardis. And uh, to that church, Christ's words were, wake up. This was a church that needed some harsh rebuke from Christ, um, and hopefully uh, that was encouraging to you. If you missed it, let me just remind you uh, that you can always find our old sermons on our website, faithbiblelincoln.org. Just hit the resources tab and click on the sermons button. You can find any of those sermons that you've missed in the past. You can also search for Faith Bible Church Lincoln, Nebraska, wherever you get your podcast. You can find our sermons feed podcast and catch up on any sermons you've missed if you're out of town or weren't able to join us on a given Sunday. But Tom, as I said already, we're going to transition here into another key doctrine that we see throughout yeah. Scripture, might, yeah. might well be the most prominent doctrine in all of Scripture. Uh, last week, we covered the bad news, sin. Today, we're going to talk about the good news. We're going to move into salvation and what that means. Um, and just like last week, I want to kick off our discussion here by reading some of Faith Bible Church's doctrine of salvation. Uh, there's a few more paragraphs in our doctrinal statement. Listeners, I'd encourage you to go on our website, just hit the What We Believe section. You can read this whole, this whole section. There's four paragraphs. I'm just going to read a couple of them to get our discussion off on the doctrine of salvation here. Here's what our doctrinal statement says. We believe that those who are saved are recreated spiritually born again as completely new creatures, resulting in the full forgiveness of sins and the liberty of holy living. Though indwelling sin remains a reality in every believer, we are to be led by the Holy Spirit, grow in the knowledge of the Lord, keep the Lord's commandments, and live in such a way that all may see our good works and thus glorify our Father who is in heaven. Then we add the second paragraph. We believe that those who are saved are pardoned of their sins and are given the promise of eternal life by virtue of the perfect righteousness of Christ that is freely given to us of God. Obviously, that begins to work in some of the things we want to talk about here related to salvation, Tom, but let's go back to our first question in addition to that doctrinal statement. What does the Bible say about salvation? Well, the topic of salvation is, in fact, the, the redemptive narrative. It's the driving theme of the scriptures. And the first thing it says about it is that man desperately needs it. He's hopeless mm-hmm. without it. And the second thing that it says is that God in his grace has provided hope for the hopeless in that he has provided a way of redemption or a way of salvation. So the from Genesis chapter 3 to the very conclusion of Revelation, it is the theme of God's rescuing the hopeless and helpless. Mm. 
Yeah, obviously, listeners, I don't know if you listened to last week's episode, but in case you didn't, that's kind of the review of what we talked about. The needed by man is that first part, the fact that in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve rebelled against God, sin entered the world, and from that point on, everybody has a sin nature. Everybody uh, starts life totally depraved, totally in rebellion against God. Explain this idea of provided by God a little bit more. Why is that such an important thing to keep in mind with salvation? Well, we're going back to the sin thing is that man is totally depraved, and uh, even his best righteousness, as Jeremiah said, is nothing but discardable, uh, filthy rags. There's just... uh, We just don't understand that even our good works are not good. Mm. Uh, Regrettably, I, I do a lot of funerals and many times for unchurched people, and in trying to discern... You know, the spiritual condition, inevitably they'll say, well, I know that they're in heaven because they were such a good person. Mm. And uh, so the reality is, is that there is no goodness that does not require Mm. God's intervening grace. Yeah, none is righteous. No, not one. Not one. That's what the Bible teaches. Very much so. I, and okay, so help, help. Help us help help the listeners understand a little bit here on this idea. Why did salvation have to be provided by God? Um, we we tend to talk very you know in, in theological circles. The conversation that always comes up here uh, related to salvation is we believe in what we call penal substitutionary atonement, and that, that seem, may seem like a foreign concept to some of our listeners. So so why is that critical? And why so why did God have to initiate here? Well, it's interesting that he he clarified that portrait in Genesis three when Adam and Eve became aware of their nakedness and and not just physical exposure but also just that they had revealed a, a new uh, depravity of their own lives in their rebellion. And they, they made coverings out of what God had created around them. They wrapped themselves in leaves in order to hide themselves from But that wasn't good enough. They, they wrapped themselves in leaves. Then they ran and hid in the garden on top <laughs> right. of that because they still felt exposed. And yeah. then God came along, and he provided skins to cover them. And suddenly, death has occurred for the first time in a perfect Hmm. world. So uh, the, the necessity was is that even that couple in, in a perfect climate, they had not yet been kicked out of the garden. Yeah. And yet yeah. in that perfect environment, they were incapable of providing the covering that would make them acceptable in the presence of a holy God. Hmm. Okay. So they, they broke the standard, to yeah. your point. They missed the mark that missed we talked about mark. last week. Uh, an animal died in their place. That's yeah. the penalty, the penal aspect. Yeah. A substitutionary, that's someone else or something else. Yeah. The animal the died. The innocent one yeah. died on their behalf. And atonement yeah. uh, as as that penalty for them. To, to, to the, And obviously the animal didn't make them righteous in that's that right. moment. Um, that's right. Obviously it looks forward to Christ. So, so help us explain how does that picture that's shown so quickly in Genesis 3 of this idea of penal substitutionary atonement, how does that find its ultimate fulfillment in the personal work of Christ? Well, it, it says, you know, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So it, it finds the fact that that substitutionary, that perfect substitute had to be... Well, you've got this picture of the sacrifice of the lamb, mm-hmm. which is ultimately, you know, the lamb of God crucified on the cross. 
And so it continued to unfold for generation after generation that they were taught that there must be a sacrifice, a shed blood sacrifice, simply to momentarily cover the sin. Mm. And then finally, the ultimate sacrifice, he died once for all, never to die again, was in the person of Christ. And so uh, it, when you get to the book of Revelation, uh, just as you're reading it over and over, marks a number of times that he talks about the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. So that theme finds its climax in Revelation. He's the one that we worship, the throne, uh, at, at the one, the Lamb mm. who is seated upon the throne, yeah. as it were. So it, yeah, it, it laces the whole story together. Yeah, I, it. It's it's picked up right there early on when we read that by you know when man, when someone sheds man's blood man's blood must be spilled. Yep. God yep. God says that early on, so we learn that we get the whole Passover system. I love that you're bringing that idea up, and so this this theme of someone must die for those that are unrighteous, someone must take their place, must be their substitute, must atone for them obviously finds its fulfillment in Christ. That's what you're talking about. That's why we place our faith in Christ. That's why, you know, I mean, that's that's why we have the doctrines of, you know, by grace alone, through yeah. faith alone, in Christ alone as a key here. All right, you've already begun to introduce some of the different places in the Bible we begin to see this. Um, highlight some of where the, these teachings are really clearly taught in Scripture. Well, you, you, you've, got, you've got the skins of Genesis 3, You've got the ark of safety in Genesis uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10 for Noah. Uh, you, you've got the amazing grace of God calling a lot in his family out of Sodom mm. and Gomorrah before mm. that penalty. So you, you begin to see those pictures of God's rescuing grace. Yeah. And then, uh, like I said before, and then the instructions for the Day of Atonement, an annual celebration of God's covering grace for the nation of Israel, where the two lambs would be brought. Yeah. One would be the scapegoat to go into the wilderness, carrying their sins away from them. Mm -hmm. The other shedding his blood so that the blood of the innocent could cover. And, and so you see those. So it's interesting that the fulfillment of that. Jesus was led outside the city in order to die on the cross, so he carried our sins mm -hmm. away from us at the same time. They didn't just send him into the wilderness to wander away, but he shed his blood in order to cover. So again, those, those portraits, those pictures just keep coming back <laughs> to Jesus. Yeah, and, and listeners, if you're not familiar with this Day of Atonement idea, uh, it's found in the book of Leviticus, which tends to be one of those <laughs> that some of, us, some of us tend to avoid, but it's right in the heart of Leviticus. In between mm -hmm. all of those sins, and this is done intentionally, in between all of those sins that we find at the beginning and all the sins that we find after, we have this central, right in the middle, Day of Atonement, yeah. this incredible picture. Yeah. I, I love that picture from Leviticus. And how it how it anticipates Christ, how it looks forward um, to Christ and what He would do, um, and then you've already spoken to it a little bit. Then the whole Bible, I mean, the whole New Testament yeah. of the Bible, then looks back on this work yeah. of Christ. Yeah. Um, highlight a few passages there that really encapsulate what we're talking about here. Well, I was I was thinking in even Galatians two twenty, I've been crucified with Christ. Mm. Nevertheless, I, I live, not I, but Christ who lives in me, yeah. or Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation. So again, those, those texts continue to look back to Christ. It was uh, in the book of Acts, whenever the gospel was preached, they talked about the one that was offered up and mm -hmm. then raised up from the dead. And so the, the crucifixion and the resurrection is the constant theme of every evangelistic message all the way through the book of Acts. 
until finally you get to the book of Revelation. And again, he takes us back to the Lamb of God who was slain on behalf of sin. And he talks about um, even in, in the epistles that he is the one who was slain before the foundation of the earth. Mm. So like you said before, everything in the Old Testament points forward to the cross. Everything in the New points backward to the cross. It becomes the dividing line, the pivotal point of the mm. whole narrative story. Mm. Mm. The faith in Christ being the crux yeah. and the key. Yeah. Uh, in the Old Testament, they didn't know that that was Christ yeah. coming. They knew somebody was coming. Yeah, who is this? What yeah. is this? Yeah. Oh, okay. And you just mentioned it. It was the, the Genesis fifteen six. You know, Abraham believed God, and that was reckoned to him as yeah. righteousness. Again, setting the tone for salvation is by grace through faith. Yeah. That not of yourself. No works in that at all. It's His works, not our works, that saved us. Mm. And I, I want to get into, we're going to talk about disagreements within orthodoxy, we're going to talk about heresies, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Let me ask what may be kind of a sidebar question that I find myself getting asked or have addressed with people before. Uh, why did that sacrifice, why did that atonement, that substitute have to be Christ, have to be God? You know, why couldn't it have been somebody else? Well, because Romans 3, there is none who are righteous. There's not even one. And so Jesus had to live for 33 years under constant scrutiny, and uh, he had to be taken into the wilderness for 40 days and nights to be tempted by Satan in order mm. to prove what he was, and that is he is the sinless and perfect one. Yeah. And uh, in fact, uh, starting in uh, the middle of August, uh, when our letters to seven churches finish, we're going to jump into the book of Hebrews, and we're going to get that right up front, Yeah, that, yeah. that this is the one, the only acceptable sacrifice. Everything else led up to that, but uh, he is the only one that met the requirement for perfection, yeah. and therefore he is the only one that could die. Yeah, he had to be perfect, and he had to be yeah. God. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's part of the reason all that. We talked about God the Son and why yeah. he had to be fully man and fully God a few weeks ago in the podcast. Yeah. But that reality all gets wrapped up and forward into why salvation for everyone that's is right. possible through, through this one person, this that's one right. man, Christ himself. Okay, so now let's move into disagreements here. Obviously, like we said last week, sin, salvation is right at the center of the bullseye. It's hard to get more related to the gospel and the center of the bullseye than salvation. Um, but are there any disagreements on, on kind of the way this works out within, within Orthodox believers? Well, a couple that come to mind. Uh, one is the question of, is this salvation by faith, is it, is it permanent? Does, mm. does it hold and we call it the doctrine of the security of the saints or the security of the believers, that when he says, I will give to them eternal life and no one will snatch them out of my hand, can I be totally confident that my saving faith saves me forever? Mm. So there's disagreement on that. There are some who say that there's a line that can be crossed by an act of rebellion or a, a pattern of behavior to where God finally gives up on you, disowns you, sends you his way as one of his children. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, that as my dad grew up, just uh, every night fearing that there was some sin that he had committed that he couldn't remember that he had not yet confessed. And so if he would die during the night, he would go to hell. So there, there's disagreement on that uh, security. And I think the other area of disagreement is is... Is it faith alone? Or what about works of righteousness? Isn't there something that I can add to my salvation, which really uh, is driven by man's pride 
Um, I hate to admit that I am so unsavable that there is nothing I can do or contribute in order to be saved. And so those, uh, there, are, there are those in orthodoxy that would add a form of works mm. to the gospel, uh, I, I think mostly to, for um, control. Mm. <laughs> to mm. say, how, how, do we, how do we keep Christians from abusing grace? Well, we'll threaten them with you. You have to add some kind of works in order mm. to make your salvation mm. secure. Yeah, some and, form and, of legalism. Yeah, some form of legalism. Just keep under, yeah, 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 it's a Galatian thing. Yeah. yeah. Peter struggled with that for quite a bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to Hebrews, and you walking through that, because you're yeah. talking about that idea of losing your salvation. Hebrews yeah. has some of those prime examples of, yeah. of language that we go, man, this is, this is hard to figure out exactly what we're talking yeah. about here. Is this a warning, or is this yeah, a statement of fact? precisely, precisely. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Listeners, stay tuned. Well, maybe Tom's we can have Brad Orta address that one, too. <laughs> there we go. Well, as long Brad, as he's cleaning well, up Brad all that. Brad preach on that subject as well. Uh, when Brad Orta, he's going to be here next, next week, and we're going to be talking about the doctrine of election. Um, okay, so, so you've got this idea, and then you've got the idea of losing salvation. With, there's that within orthodoxy. There's also some that go, okay, so what are... What are the works? How does how does this work itself out a little bit? Um, the legalism yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, conversation, obviously within within orthodoxy, but there's also some pretty serious heresies related to this doctrine of salvation. Yeah. Um, could you explain some of those? Well, I, I would say the primary one where we would take strong disagreement is the, the question of righteousness. Um, is is it imputed? Which we would teach. That, Which, yeah, explain that here real that, quick. Yeah, that what God has done is He has put on our account. He has credited us with Christ's righteousness, where we have a deficit. There, there is no righteousness in us whatsoever. And yet, when you look at the record, uh, the ledger of our lives, it has credited Christ's righteousness, or He calls it, He has clothed us with robes of righteousness. Mm. So that would be an imputed righteousness. God giving us that gift. In full, as composed to the or contrasted to the infused righteousness, whereas these acts of obedience and we call the ordinances, baptism and the sacraments, and that is that in each exercise of that, a bit more of God's righteousness becomes mine. Mm. And so, a failure to maintain the pattern, I stop short of eternal salvation because I don't have enough infused, as it were, righteousness in me. I, I didn't take of the cup and the bread often enough or mm-hmm. those kind of things. Mm. Yeah, and that's that really that really was the crux of the issue in the Reformation, yeah. you know, back yeah. back hundreds of years. How many years? hundred years ago. It's been 500, 400? Know, anyway, yeah, the Reformation... A long the, time ago. Uh, somebody that's better at math can handle that for I've me. I've got some but, friends that were there, but yeah. I don't know if they can remember. <laughs> there, there we go. <laughs> and this dividing line really between yeah. Protestantism, you know, what we believe, and the Catholic Church, yeah. which gave rise to the solas, you know, yeah. that's where we get the salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, those five solas yeah. that come from the Reformation and this idea... Um, yeah, it, it really is. It really is a crux of our major, major yeah. disagreement. Yeah, because um, we, we we both talk about Jesus, and we talk about Jesus on yeah. the cross. We talk about his death. We talk about salvation by grace. Yeah. But how do I receive that grace? Do I receive it because he granted it to me, mm. he imputed it to me, or do I receive it by my obedience and the infusion of a little grace with each mm. act of worship and um, as subtle as it is, some Protestants have fallen over that. that that's mm-hmm. that whole legalism works thing kind of mm-hmm. comes into that a little mm-hmm. bit as well. So uh, just even 
add, like I said, we talked about it a little bit before, but even when you add to your salvation, say, baptism, it's, I, I was saved because I believed and I was baptized, mm. or my infant was baptized, therefore I don't worry about his eternal destiny. Even though we call ourselves Protestant, the fact is we still believe that there is some infusion of grace that comes through an act of obedience. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I know within uh, within Orthodox Catholic teaching, it's even to the point of infusion of grace apart from the heart condition doing the act. The act imputes that righteousness yeah. regardless of where you're at heart-wise, regardless of yeah. the faith and the person acting, and you can get you get into some pretty off off yeah. things within that whole category and and what's there. Okay, well, very good. Any, any other kind of any other heresies related to this? I, I don't know that I couldn't think of any more on this subject. Is there anything else that we need to be mindful of here? Uh, nothing stands out ex- except for that sense of we tend to measure the salvation of others on the basis of what we can see, mm. and I, I think that's one to be concerned about. Mm. You know, it, when it comes to our leaders and teachers, we're to be fruit inspectors. Mm. We're to know rather to follow them, but he has mm. not given the spiritual gift of fruit inspector. <laughs> so uh, we need to be careful that we don't declare another one saved or not saved yeah. on the basis of what we can see, because salvation begins in the heart, but it is worked out in the life. Yeah. And and so, again, it's, that's a whole other podcast yeah, interview. Very but, much so. That, that, that would be the other one I'd be concerned about. I, I hear that periodically. Well, they obviously weren't saved because. And you yeah. go, well, uh, they weren't saved because of their behavior. Because they were saved, they behaved new, in a new way. And if you don't see that, then we need to talk to them about what it means yeah. to be saved. Yeah, it does It does get really hard. You know, I think of, you know, James 2, obviously, being one yeah. of the classic examples, faith yeah. without works is dead. Yeah. Um, and what that passage does teach is that no works as an indicator of no faith, it doesn't teach that the presence of works means there's faith. That's like right. there's, there's, right. it's not, it's not equal yeah. flip sides of the coin, and it, yeah. it does get a little bit challenging in this area. Okay, Tom. Finally, obviously, salvation uh, is a critical one for us to understand. It's a critical one for us to to have rightly grasped. How does it impact the way we live? Well, we it, I, I, this one I've, I, I grappled with. In John 17, I, say, I pray for them not to remove them from the world, but uh, we're going to live in the world, mm-hmm. but we're not going to be of the world. And, and so it impacts us from the sense that though I am saved, uh, it, you know, it kind of comes in three movements again. It's my regeneration. I'm brought to new life. There's my sanctification. That new life is being worked out in me. But I live in anticipation of the final stage of my salvation, which is glorification. When I, I he says in First John, I will be like him because I'll see him as he mm-hmm. is. And so in the sanctification season, I'm not only being perfected into the image of God, but I am also living in a fallen world as a light of hope yeah. and, a, and, a, and a beam of light. So I am light in the darkness. So how does it affect the way we live? To remember as the redeemed, we're here on mission. Mm. We're here for a purpose. If yeah. just becoming saved and perfected was God's ultimate goal. He would have taken us to heaven the moment we trusted him, but he left us here in order to let us live out, as it were, the life of Christ through the power of the Spirit in a dark world that desperately needs the message of salvation. Mm, mm, It's a good encouragement for all of us. It makes me think of that classic church father statement, I have been saved, I am being saved, I will be saved. Yeah not kind of in the technical sense of salvation, but I have been saved, I have been regenerated, 
I've, I've been saved from my sins. I am being saved. I'm also being sanctified today. I'm being moment by moment refined yeah. from those sins that are death in my life. And I also will be saved one day. Yeah. There's an eternal destiny and a hope. But in that already, but not yet, in yeah. that middle waiting period, we do have a task. We do have a mission. Yeah. Um, and to do that, we have to be sanctified. We have to look like the one who we follow, Christ. We also have to be willing to share that yeah. <laughs> with those around us. Yeah, just living yeah. A, a better life is not, is not sharing enough. the gospel. It yeah. attracts people to hear the gospel. Yeah. yeah, I think you just described Romans 6, Romans 7, and mm. Romans 8. Yeah. You know, so uh, the ultimate glorification in Romans 8. Sanctification struggles and process Romans seven, but the regeneration. I died with him. I've been raised with him in chapter six, mm. and all of those are implications of what God has done yeah. and is doing yeah. in the lives of believers. Very good. Well, obviously, listeners, this is a big topic. We've just begun to scratch the surface. There's also the reality that the gospel is something that will continue to impact and will continue to realize and see different facets of over the course of our entire lives. It's an incredible doctrine, um, and it's just something that we grow in joy over the course of our lives. And let me attempt to summarize some of what we've said here today on this doctrine of salvation. Um, first of all, doctrine of salvation, it was needed by man due to sin. We have had to have a solution. It was provided by God. God steps in and deals with it. Mankind was not able to save themselves. And we see man is totally incapable of of being right with God in our own power. And that's where we get this concept, this doctrine of penal substitutionary atonement. Someone else had to pay the penalty on our behalf to make us right before God. And that teaching is wrapped up in so many places in Scripture. Romans, like you talked about, Galatians 2.20, we see these pictures in Genesis and in the story of Noah and in the Day of Atonement, and again and again and again through the whole Bible in the Old Testament. There is some area for disagreement. There's some uh, that would believe you can lose your salvation, and and that's a doctrine that that's, that's within the orthodoxy, uh, but we would disagree with. Um, there's also this idea of uh, different people have applied kind of different degrees of legalism to that post-salvation <laughs> idea and, and how that relates to you know, salvation. I want to speak to that. Yeah. They, they, they don't lose their salvation. They just lose the joy of it. Mm. So I think that's the key. It's mm. like, if they if they hold that truth or that doctrine as truth, they they have not forfeited saving grace. They just simply have not enjoyed it to the max that they could. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's a good way to put it. Um, and then obviously the main issue to be concerned with here is this idea of adding anything to our faith. Uh, Galatians really addresses that. The Jews wanted to say, let's add circumcision and the law and all these things to saving faith. And Galatians is really clear. It is it is faith by grace through faith in Christ alone. And anything that adds an additional work or an additional action or something else you have to do to that Mm. is a heresy we need to be watchful for on this doctrine of salvation. Um, Encouragement, this doctrine of salvation is critical to understand if you're going to share the gospel with friends and neighbors and loved ones. So mm-hmm. make sure you got this understood. Maybe sure, Make sure you know how to share the gospel and be doing it. God didn't save us mm-hmm. so that we can just go to heaven. God saved us so that we can help share that goodness with others around us as well. Any final thoughts or, or things you want to leave our listeners with today, Tom? Well, I, I think that uh, just to remind us that salvation gives us eternal life beginning today. So do we have a reason to live, and we have a forever hope before us. So however dark or difficult it gets, we we are experiencing already eternal life because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And we didn't get into that, but the great gift is the moment you believe, He moves in, takes up residence, and gives you life. 
Yeah. You've been transferred from the army of yeah. darkness to the army of light yeah. and being a member of God's family, adoption yeah. through the Son. Uh, so many incredible gifts yeah. that we get as a result of that. Very, very good. Well, listeners, that's it for this week's episode. Hopefully it's been helpful to you, and hopefully it's some clarified a few things for you. One quick note that I want to remind you of this coming Sunday, um, we've actually got a guest preacher stepping into the pulpit. Chris Weiniger is going to be dealing with the sixth church in Revelation, the church at Philadelphia. We'd encourage you to join us. I'm looking forward to hearing that message, getting a week to celebrate and enjoy somebody else's preaching here in the series. I know Chris is going to bring the word, and it's going to be a joy for yeah. us to, to listen together. We'd encourage you to join us at either our 9 or 10.30 service. And uh, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for taking the time to listen, for joining us. If it's been helpful to you, please share it with somebody, rate the podcast, or comment on it to help other people find it. And uh, we hope you join us again next week for Midweek in the Word. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Faith Bible Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, or on Twitter at the handle at FBC Lincoln. As for this week, we'll leave you with Paul's words to Timothy. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith.